There's Paul Nobles from Eat and Form, and uh, we got a cozy little class. I think there's been some miscommunication. Uh, this podcast, some people thought it was last week. Turns out it was this week. Some of those people were me. Um, so got to keep that in mind as we go. So we have a cozy little one, but uh, we do have a good topic that that I'm excited to talk about. And then uh, also I'm going to update people on how my fat loss cycle is going. Kind of interesting results up to this point. I, I think most people will find interesting. Um, also, just so uh, everybody is aware of the introductions, we have Becky Avara on the call. Becky is the director of coaching here at Eaton Form. And so she basically has all the knowledge that each of you want to get from each of these podcasts. And so uh, behind the scenes, it's sort of interesting. I wish people saw that, right? That all the questions that they have that get answered by you throughout the day. Um, it, it's pretty wild. Uh, you know, uh, boy, there's a few things that are happening in Eat Form land. You know, we're, we're, we have Eat Form Kitchen uh, probably since maybe the last time we had talked. Uh, we're probably three weeks in. We're actually on kind of the second rotation of food at this point, which is sort of interesting. Um, but yeah, the uh, I think the the excitement overall we had, we had we signed up roughly around fifteen hundred people, which is kind of a shocker for me. <laughs> um, just I, I I knew there would be a lot of interest. I didn't know that there would be that much interest. Uh, so there is actually something that's happening this weekend that was a little bit of a secret. And uh, I think we're going to be able to pull it off. If I'm wrong, I apologize. But we started doing these samplers for people that want to try the food, but don't necessarily want to sign up for a subscription right out the gate or get a big discount. They'd rather just get it tomorrow, right? So we created these samplers for, for those people. Well, on Sunday will be the first drop of the light samplers, right? So uh, for those that aren't familiar, there's basically two sets of macros through Eat Form Kitchen. There, there's basically 500 calories, which some people think is a lot. Um, I actually think is quite a small amount. Um, and then there are the, the light menus which sit at about 350 kind of the point of the light menus is that if you're in fat loss it allows you some options but also it allows you to kind of piece your meals together a lot of the breakfast options so like in the light sampler there will be uh four breakfasts because the breakfasts are always kind of in that 350 to 370 range anyway some some do get to 400 but it probably won't be in that sampler and then we'll have the all four lights um, and then also one of the one that's more popular duplicated. So be on the lookout for that. That's really interesting. The other thing that's really exciting and uh, actually, I'm not gonna save that one. We're gonna save that one for the Lifetime Podcast. So if you want other information about drops and things of this nature, 
listen to the Lifetime podcast, which we'll probably put out three, four days from now anyway. All right. So one of the topics that I wanted to run through was how to dance around the holidays. And I know people are like, oh my goodness, not you too, Paul, right? Where you're going to these malls and it's September and they're already setting you up for Christmas. Um, this is not one of those. Um, but we know that a fat loss cycle in general is going to run around three months, right? Um, so you basically have a six-week period, kind of a reset, and then another six-week period. What I'm going to propose to anyone that's starting fat loss right now or considering fat loss, and I know I know a lot of people, man, I wish you talked a little bit more about performance. This is talking about performance. When you're talking about managing fat loss and we're talking about a reset, which is AP, AP and PR are essentially the same thing, right? You're pushing your macros. The only difference is, is that in AP, you're pushing your macros acutely, whereas in PR, um, it, 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 it's where your macros are the highest, but not necessarily the ones that, um, not necessarily in a way that um, you would push it in AP. The goal of AP is to get you back to normal calories as soon as possible, maybe push those calories so that you're uh, closer to normal quicker. And then we can gradually sort of move you up and through PR, kind of manage weight as we go. So it kind of begs the question, like what's best? Now, if you've been listening to the last few podcasts, what I've been making a case for and what I'll be making a case for really for a very long time is sort of how I managed my fat loss cycle, which by the way, I'm in week, I'm going into week three right now. Here's, there's some things that happen that actually are surprising me a little bit. Um, nothing surprising me too much. Um, but one thing that I can say for sure is that pushing my calories up to the highest was best. Um, there have been things that have come up that have sort of surprised me. So there's two things in particular that kind of kind of threw me off a little bit. And so it's going to throw people off once I hit my goal. And they're like, well, wait a second. You know, I never really said what my goal was. I'll go ahead and say it right now so that um, this math all makes sense to you. Um, but my goal was to get to 179.9. Now, what does that mean? I mean, not a lot, right? Because it, I'm not super invested in that number. What's most important is, is how lean I am in that, in that space, right? And so when, again, I can, I'll just give like the one sentence version. I was using a form of creatine that had salt, so it would load better. So there was a sodium element to my previous creatine. So when I had a blood pressure scare, my doctor recommended to get off of that for a little bit. So I did. Um, when I was talking to Susan, my co-host on some of the more sciencey podcasts, 
she was like, well, why don't you just move to regular creatine, which has no sodium? And I was like, this is why I surround myself with smart people. And so I did that. Um, and so in May, I was not using creatine. And, you know, in this last cycle, which started in September, I had been using creatine all summer long. What causes some of the bloating that kind of concerns people related to protein? Certainly it's gonna be your carbohydrates, holding on to water, things of this nature. That's sort of a bloating that everyone gets worried about, but ultimately what you're trying to do is have that you know, water cross the cell, get into your muscles so your muscles become more effective. One of the best things Susan ever said to me She's like, I don't understand why more people wouldn't use creatine. You basically get to you get to access energy without the use of calories. And I was like, wow, that 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 might be, you know, whoever big creatine is, they really need to adopt that because it's a it's a really useful way of describing how it works. So when you go from not using creatine to using creatine. I like to use a formula of roughly 2% of your body weight. So let's just round up to 200. Essentially, I have about four pounds worth of wiggle room, right? So if I get to 184, essentially I'm at 179. I am definitely pacing to hit that number. There's a lot of things that I could factor in there. I'm not one of these people, like for instance, let's say I get to 186, I'm not going to be overly bothered by it because, you know, the reality is, is um, after my injury, there's a lot of factors to a lot of different things. Um, we're actually running into a little bit of a problem. So I'm going to pause for just a second and then we will come right back. So hang tight with me. Okay, we're back. Sorry about that. My computer was losing power. If you're watching on the podcast, you can now see my new kitchen. Um, or watching on YouTube, sorry. By the way, uh, I was actually going through all of our YouTube com uh, content. If you Google Eat to Porn podcast um, on YouTube, there are tons of short videos that you can watch that are really super useful. And so with the addition of creatine, essentially you factor in roughly around four pounds, right? So that would put me, um, if I landed at 186, at about 182. There's another thing that is also factoring in for me. I have struggled to reach my protein. Normally I have used natural sources, mostly meats. Um, this surprises people, but actually meat is not as effective as a protein as say whey protein. And the reason why I say that is because anything that you drink is utilized by your body better than anything that you would consume. It has to break down. It's just harder, right? And so... The difference between fat loss one and fat loss two is demonstrable as it relates to body composition. In terms of, I mean, it's really hard 
to explain unless you kind of see me, right? Um, uh, you know, with my shirt off or whatever. You know, it's it's a drastic difference. Um, I also think you can kind of see it in my face a little bit, um, but we'll see. You know, I, I think ultimately we're going to land somewhere between four and six pounds more than where we're at right now. Now here come the excuses, right? So going into May, we were playing a lot of indoor pickleball and we just haven't had the ability to do that. We were actually looking forward to playing outside more. You know, it's Minnesota, so you're, you want to take advantage of the nice weather and then we'll move inside. The difference between outside, so like here's a great example. If I'm playing a three-hour pickleball session at the indoor club where we normally play, which is that's how long the sessions are, normally I'll get in about 10 games. Yesterday, we were playing outdoors. We played for, I think, two, two and a half hours, uh, probably, probably two hours. We got in three games because it's a public court and it's really, really busy. So there was a lot of waiting and not a lot of playing. So when you look at kind of the difference between the two, so one of the things that I always point out to my wife when we're playing, I was like, it's shocking how different the pounding your body takes in that three hours, right? And if you think about exercise, what are we trying to do with exercise? One, we're trying to get better at exercise, right? So the longer you're playing pickleball, in theory, the more chances that you have to get better. Also. By the way, as you get more fatigued, now you get to play under duress, which is a, is a positive thing. But what you're also doing is tearing down tissue to rebuild new and better tissue, right? So if you only play three games in two hours, you're just not tearing down that much tissue, right? One of the complaints that people have when they go through a service like ours or some that are also pretty good. Like from the diet standpoint, I think we're really good. Um, I think the thing that makes us really good on the diet standpoint though, is the performance macros. It's, it's starting at a higher number. I think all these places, you know, people go to them and they're kind of eating 1400, 1500 calories and they can't figure out why they can't lose weight. And then, and then the service is like, well, let's just lower your calories. Right. And it gets really frustrating at times. So I think the thing that makes us really effective is that, uh, is those higher calories. But when we look at a diet cycle in general, there are some people doing it correctly. Most of the people doing it correctly use anywhere from 0.7 to 1 for protein, which is huge, right? Because if you're just using points for Weight Watchers, as an example, they're not prioritizing protein the way that we would. They're not maybe asking you to use resistance training or they're not asking you to like take your body to fatigue the way that we would, right? I would say that that has probably cost me because of, because our sessions just haven't been longer. So then you go, well, why don't you just play longer sessions? Well, I don't know if you guys noticed this, Pickleball is really, really popular. And it's really, really popular in Minnesota. There is no court time. You just cannot get court time right now. 
And so it's made it much more difficult. So we've had to sort of adjust. We're actually trying to pull together groups and stuff so we could buy court time more efficiently. But that's how crazy pickleball is right now. And I've been through CrossFit. I've been through Beanie Babies. I've been through a lot of stuff. Nothing I've ever seen come close to pickleball, right? And so when we look, when we factor in better protein, so, so um, I did have a, a protein source that I used the company went out of business. I really liked their protein, um, but it was very expensive. And so I know why they went out of business. Um, but it was hydrolyzed whey protein. So, so hydrolyzed whey protein, if you're not familiar with it, um, is, is the way that they do baby formula. It's the most filtered form of protein. And so even if you have like some dairy issues, it will, so like there's lactose issues and then there's dairy issues. Sometimes people think they have a dairy issue. I don't really want to have that discussion, but you know, they're like, oh, when I ate dairy, I felt so bloated and now I, I don't eat dairy. And so therefore I don't feel bloated. It's like, well, if you were eating 400 calories worth of dairy and now you took 400 calories, yes, you're going to feel less bloated might not have a whole lot to do with the dairy. There will be a lot of people that will take issue with that. I'm just saying you have to factor in the calories. Not saying that there might not be some kind of intolerance as you go, but I'm just saying if you want to, to address the intolerance, one of the things that you can do is use hydrolyzed whey protein. And, and that's what they use for baby formula. The reason why they use it for baby formula is because babies aren't allergic because it's highly filtered. It also smells horrible. So I always struggled finding a good hydrolyzed whey protein that did not smell horrible, right? And so uh, I just decided to, to go on Amazon, take a look, and Optimum Nutrition has a version of hydrolyzed whey protein. It's actually much more reasonable than I remember it back in the day or the source that I used to get it from. So it's possible that the cost has gone down. Um, and I'm gonna start mixing it with a little bit of uh, PB2 to kind of get a little peanut butter flavor to it. Cause that's what I used to get is like a chocolate peanut butter. And I'm just telling you like having that back in play a more efficient protein source I think is also contributing to my body fat, which uh, body fat going down, which as of today, it sort of depends on how you view your, your, your at home scales and things of this nature, but it looks to be around eight pounds of body fat. I'm down 10 pounds so far. Um, so having eight pounds of fat gone, two pounds um, of which still is fat holding on to, but that's still, if you know anything about, about fat loss in general, those are some really good percentages, which is all a really long way to say, if you are contemplating fat loss, and I understand sometimes we're all prisoners of the moment, but if you can get it in kind of as soon as possible, it might be the best way to do it. Like if you're thinking about it right now, you might want to jump. And the reason why you might want to jump 
is so that you can then have a longer break through the holidays and then come back in January or February. That's the one thing, like if you think about it, so you say, well, okay, I'm not ready, Paul. That's fine. Then let's go ahead and, and run one, let's say October 15th to the end of January and we'll try and dodge Thanksgiving somehow, right? Um, then don't just jump into fat loss January 1st because everybody you know is doing that, right? You can wait till February, give a good two, three months, allow your numbers to get higher. There was an interesting thing. Hold on one second. Sometimes my earlobes get, or my inner ear gets a little itchy um, as I'm wearing these uh, headphones. And so uh, it kind of brought me to a story. I don't know if I told Becky this story or not, um, but like the progress of the way eat performers work. And I know a lot of people on this call right now, well, not a lot of people because there's only two people on the call, but uh, people on this call don't necessarily know what the eat perform process is like. But one of the things that you will hear right out the gate, right, is, oh my goodness, it's like I've been in food prison my whole life and I joined Eat to Perform, and I am no longer in food prison. Thank you, Eat to Perform. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Becky. Right? And they're just the happiest person on the planet. Then one week later, don't shut the prison door. <laughs> right? Because this, this fear that we all have related to food is highly ingrained in us. Right? And so kind of the point, whether, whether we're looking at the holidays, whether we're looking at kind of fat loss in general, is you want to give yourself the best chance to succeed. And the best chance to succeed is to have the best math possible. And the best math possible happens over time. So it's not just your macros going up. So like, for instance, let's say that I put you through a fat loss cycle, then we go to AP, and then in, let's say, three and a half weeks, I can get your calories back up to 2,400 as a female, right? Well, what's the most important part? Getting to the 2,400 or staying at 2,400 longer? The answer is staying at 2,400 longer. You know, well, Paul, you know, how much have you lost again? I am down 10 pounds. Why am I down 10 pounds? Well, one, I wasn't scared to get comfortable to my fat loss number. I knew that there was a lot of things that were not favorable in fat loss one. I definitely was not eating the amount of calories that I was eating in AP. Um, there's just a lot of factors that went into that. So then people go, well, yeah, but isn't that just water weight? Well, first of all, there's not 10 pounds of water weight. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't walk around, you know, over consuming all the time. I'm not like drinking Mountain Dew and eating all my meals at, at, at a gas station, right? So some of it, yes, would have been water weight. And then some of it would have been fat. What's interesting about the numbers that I just said, right? That, that if my, if my, 
home scale is close, right? And it, it very well could be. There is a margin of error, but it's kind of, we're having theoretical discussion here. If that's right, that I have lost eight pounds of fat, and then I'm still holding on to two pounds in that 10, one, that's about the best you can do it. But one thing I can tell you that's for fact is that week one, so let, let's let's just let's just pretend that all the numbers would be the same, right? And it would be 10 pounds of loss. I know that just follow me and you'll understand what I mean. Week one was 10 pounds of loss, week two was 10 pounds of loss, week three was 10 pounds of loss. That's not how it went, but I need you to just do this to follow me. The first 10 pounds would have been two and eight. The next would have been five and eight or five and five. And then now we're at eight and two. Do you see what I'm saying there? Like basically what happens is as your body is starting to become more efficient, it's now burning fat because you're in a deficit, because you were in a surplus. This is what we're trying to do in AP is get not, not a surplus where you're storing fat, but a surplus where you're actually building muscle, your workouts are more efficient, things of this nature. So when people say to me, you know, what's the most important thing? Well, certainly it's PR, but it's not just PR. Like fat loss is not the only area you lose fat, right? So the best example I have of that is that my lean mass is 35 pounds, it might be closer to 40 now, from my lowest from when eat reform started right not, not not from the not from when the web page started but when the process of eat reform started right so you go holy cow you know 40 pounds like that must have taken a while and yes it did right and that is the goal as we're going through this process Part of the issue, I was actually going over one of those YouTube videos and what we talked about in one of the, the recent podcasts was that men are comfortable being technically fatter than women are, right? Like, am I talking in general? Yes, I'm talking in general. Am I talking in stereotypes? Yes, because stereotypes exist for a reason. In general, though, society, Holds the value for women as they're smaller. And then um, men, we tend to want to be bigger, stronger, and we don't necessarily care that we might be holding on a little bit more body fat, right? So, so I, I think those things, if we're all being honest with, the, with ourselves, end up being true. And so, so Men being a little bit more comfortable being, you know, like I said, fatter, having more body fat, um, isn't necessarily a bad thing. But what I would make the argument for women um, is that if you can get to the place where you can allow yourself to be comfortable with a little bit of weight gain, with a little bit of fat gain, right? That's actually the answer to being leaner longer. 
There is another factor. I'm always honest about this. I've been talking about it forever. Actually, Becky and I share this. We are both on testosterone, right? Hormone replacement, essentially. So women call it hormone replacement. Men, it's uh, testosterone replacement. Um, for women, I don't know, do you use anything other than just uh, testosterone? I, I think, do you use pellets or what is it that you use, Becky? I do the pellets and it's just testosterone because I haven't reached menopause yet. Okay, so... So yeah, there are other things that um, will be part of the hormone profile that people bring up. So kind of keep that in mind. But in general, um, men start to get lower in testosterone at 40. Um, women, uh, like women at 40 have none. <laughs> you know, like just adding a little bit more of a, of a, of a you know, kind of pick me up really makes monstrous differences so when we talk about trying to lose weight you have to understand that testosterone is going to have your body hold on to water a little bit better right because it really is that bloating that is part of the process that allows your body to build muscle right that's the part about bloating i mean don't get me going on inflammation right inflammation They've scared the shit out of people with inflammation. And frankly, you'll live longer. You will feel better if you allow for some inflammation. Now, we're not talking about chronic inflammation. If you're, if you're smoking, if you're you know, drinking 16 ounces of Mountain Dew throughout the day, like I said, if you're getting all your nutrition from the convenience store, you might want to stop that, right? That's not the conversation we're having. I, th I think what happens, what's happened is, is that the conditions that cause chronic inflammation, people have used that to scare you. And then 120 pound women are hearing that and thinking, oh my goodness, you know, this inflammation is going to kill me. It's like, no, no, no. First of all, you're not 300 pounds, right? So let's not worry about that in the way that we would a little bit of bloating every now and again. Like a lot of the times, once you start to, to see carbs as an ally to part of your journey, things of that nature, and you're open to more moderate carbs, you will see that you're a little bit more, a little water, a little bit more watery at nighttime. And then when you wake up, you're super lean, right? Because that's how it works. And so when you look at the cycles within each form, which you ultimately will see is that it's the higher super medium days where you're going to have a regular amount of inflammation and then your low days will clear that, right? And so um, I think it's important that whether you start tomorrow, which I would not suggest, I'm not a big fan of reactive fat loss cycles. I don't feel like they're typically successful. I think people quit relatively quickly. I'd much rather you say, okay, I've gotten myself into a bad situation. Let me reevaluate what that looks like and take a proactive solution. Whether that proactive solution is October 15th, like right now today, we're at September 29th, at least on October 15th, you can talk your way out of it, which is sort of funny. Um, and I did see we have some questions, so I'm going to get to those in here in just a second. 
Um, and so I'll just finish with this story. So I made a reels um, and I didn't know how to put the timer on it, right? So it didn't end up uploading. Um, I'm 53 years old. I can barely figure out what these things do. Um, but, uh, and I need large teams of people to help me do it. Um, but I was just thinking out loud, you know, into the camera that people live like this. I'm, I'm, you know, like my calories actually on my highest days are still like 2,200. You know, on my lowest days, I think they're like 1850. You know, there's dudes that eat like this all the time. And I mean, I just don't understand how people have, you know, built their life around that. You know, just, it just, I think there's a fundamental embracing of dieting within certain populations that is really unhealthy. And that was sort of what I went into in the Reels video is that, you know, using strategic cleanups every now and again is so much better than just living your life under eating and being miserable all the time. And, you know, the, the point of the video was that there's a lot of people that go, oh, well, he's just angry. There is a very real connection between depression and under eating, right? And so when we look at all these people that are on antidepressants, I do wonder how many of them just aren't getting enough nutrition on a daily basis. And what would happen if they just started eating a normal amount of food? But then, of course, we have that whole prison thing that we were talking about, right? Which is almost like an abusive relationship. It's like, okay, you know, I want to get out of this abusive relationship that I have with food. But you are getting something out of that abusive relationship. And so you're honest with yourself about that, then you're really going to struggle making progress. And I will tell you this, whenever you live on the extremes, one way or the other, and I, I do apologize that the lighting is not great um, if you're watching this on YouTube. So the extremes provide you clarity, right? So if you're over-consuming and you're unhealthy and things of this nature, it's rare that anybody in that situation doesn't know what they're getting themselves into, right? Same thing on the other end, right? It's all easier. Everything's more clear. I understand I don't overeat. I don't eat enough food to really see my muscles for my workouts, but mentally I've painting myself in this corner and frankly i don't want to do anything about it i think if people would be honest with themselves about that they would they would start to come up with better conclusions so kind of keep that in mind as we sort of move forward but definitely if you're thinking that you can do a fat loss cycle over the holidays there's really no point in doing it that way. And you don't need to live with that level of temptation. Because the one thing about willpower is that when you test it more often than not, you know, you will fail, even though ultimately you've succeeded, right? Because if you if you failed 27 times or succeeded 27 times, and then that one time you failed, you actually succeeded much more than you failed. Right. So people have this weird misconception about willpower. Dieters actually have amazing willpower. 
But the problem is that they just test it too often, right? So they get to the point of failure or they get to the point of quitting or whatever. All right. So Becky, let's go ahead and read these questions and let's get rolling. Okay. Sylvia asks, when working with a coach, how integrated are they into your nutrition plan? Are there daily slash weekly check-ins? My training varies throughout the year, similar to your pickleball scenario. So it would be great if I could work with someone who knows how to adapt according to my output. So your output is sort of an interesting thing. There's not really a direct correlation the way that you think it is. Um, and if there is a direct correlation, like let me give you an example. When I was playing more pickleball, I was pushing my calories up more and more and more. But once my pickleball slowed down a little bit, what you might be thinking you should do in that scenario is to pull your calories down. What I would suggest is that actually you allow for a little bit of weight fluctuation in that process, right? What your coach will not do, do not sign up for Ethan Perform. I feel like I had this exact conversation with you the last time we were on. If you think that an Ethan Perform coach is going to put your calories up to 2,500 and then bring them down to 1,200, that's not how it works, right? Um, what we know for fact is that the higher we can get your calories and the higher we can stay there, the better. What I could tell you also for fact is we don't bring your calories down to middle lane, right? So if we work you up to 2,500, we'd rather see three to five pounds of fluctuation than to pull you down to 2,000 because here's what happens. Nothing, literally nothing, right? And so you go, well, that's okay. I'm fine with that, Paul. Uh, you know, my 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 thing adjusted, and therefore, you know, I'm okay with my calories going lower. Right. But does that mean that you're never gonna want to lose weight or you're never gonna want to run a fat loss cycle? Because that's also not true, right? And so when we look at it, we we need to make sure that we're staying at these higher levels so that the resulting fat loss cycle after is way more effective. I can tell you one thing that happens quite a bit is, you know, someone will have a PR session, right? Where, where you know, they, they, they do performance recon for a year or, or something of that, maybe six months, let's say six months. And for one reason or another, they just get so itchy that they don't listen to their coach and they decide to move on because the coach has one idea and they have another idea. And then they're like, man, I signed up for such and such and I lost eight pounds in six weeks. Right. But we were setting you up for 12 pounds in six weeks. Right. And so, so what I, I'm absolutely certain there have been a lot of companies that have benefited from us doing it the right way. And that company wasn't us. you know, more often than not, those people do come back to us and then we do it the right way. Eventually. What I can say is that there is kind of this maturation of Ethan's clients 
that everybody seems to have to go through, right? Everyone has to run through a fat loss cycle just so that we can prove that they should be in a performance cycle. And then they all want to go to fat loss within three to four months. Becky's shaking her head if you're not watching it on YouTube. And eventually they get to this place where they start to run six-month cycles, one-year cycles of PR to where they're getting leaner and leaner as they go. One of the least talked about things, and this is one of the reasons why I might actually start incorporating more fat loss cycles um, strategically. One of the reasons why I, you know, I didn't in the past was because I feel like it's important for me to be the greatest outlier. So when I go to AP, I'm going to go to 4,000, right? If I'm um, in a performance cycle, I'm going to do it for seven, seven years, right? Because it feels to me like I need to be the biggest advocate for each performance. If I'm not willing to do it, I know you're definitely not going to be willing to do it. You know, I made this video. It's kind of, it's just being goofy, you know, and I posted it on Instagram because it was funny. And it was just me singing this Dion Warwick song. And um, it was taken at an unflattering angle. And I almost didn't post it because it was taken at an un. I mean, like that angle, you go, okay, one's got a little loose skin. From the very other angle, I look like I have like a great jawline, right? It's just, that's just the way that my face was. But then I was like, you know what? I'm going to post this. Because I can't tell people to sort of have all these thoughts and then not do it that way, which I know is a long way to answer your question. But like I said, we only have a few people, so we're going to get a, a long answer. But I think there's going to be an evolution in the way that you think about food with Ethan Hume that's going to change your life. Because what I think happens for people is that they live in this fear that they're going to overconsume. Look, even 500 calories over, let's say, three to six months, you're not going to get fat, right? That's not how people get fat, right? You have to, and, and, and like, don't, don't get mad that I'm using the F word. I'm just talking about bodily fat, right? Is people have this, this preconceived notion that if they if they color outside the lines a little bit, everything goes bad. And it's like, no, if you've ever been to an art museum and, you know, if you look at a Monet versus a Van Gogh, you know, it kind of depends on what your flavor is. But Monet was somewhat disciplined in the way that he painted. And Van Gogh was undisciplined in the way that he painted, and he painted in really broad strokes and things of this nature. And I would argue that that is more beautiful, right? And I would I would say that that's a good metaphor for how fat loss needs to happen. I think there's way too many people that spent way too much time coloring in the lines. And so here I am asking you, has it been worth it? Right. Because some, for some people it is right. They're fit. They, you know, I mean, I can see your picture. You're a fit person. Right. But mentally, has that served you well? 
right? Are you paying the price in the gym for date night or wine or things of this nature? There's a world that exists that you don't know about yet, right? So you have to be open to that world, you know? And as a formerly obese person, this is one of the things that I think a lot of people don't necessarily um, understand about eating form is that I come from the perspective of a formerly obese person, right? And so, so for me to get to 8% body fat, 9% body fat, I don't know that I was necessarily the one that, like, for instance, me being at 15% body fat right now, perfectly fine, right? I was in mid-40s, you know? So for me to be at 15% body fat, I mean, as far as the internet goes, oh, my goodness, you know, I mean, how are you going to exist at 15% body fat? Well, here's a newsflash. Most of your neighbors are 30% or more. Most women are 35%, right? 27 to 35%. Even really fit women are 27%, right? I don't know that everybody understands the price that you have to pay to be 18% as a woman, to be 8 to 9% as a man. I'd rather be 13 to 15% as a man rather than trying to be eight or nine. That's just real, you know? Um, I've done eight or nine. I lived there for about three years. Nothing changed in my relationship. You know, my wife still loved me. You know, um, it was nice being that level of fit. I will tell you another thing. Um, that level of fit, there is normally a high correlation between the amount you work out, right? And so if you are doing lots of sets and reps, you can maintain a higher weight with a better body fat percentage when you're spending two hours in the gym getting mad pumps and things of this nature. So is that your life? Is that you? We were having a discussion today about celebrities and what celebrities will pay for, for high-level training. And they'll pay a lot because it's worth $20 million of film to them. Right. I think people need to be honest about that piece. Right. That piece of chocolate cake is probably more valuable to you than having eight pack veiny abs. You know, and if you can be real about that, now we can start to have a conversation because if you're 35% as a man, or let's say that you're 38% as a woman, which some of that kind of doesn't matter as much as you might think. Like if you're, for instance, there's a lot of science that backs this up. If you're a sedentary man at 35 or 30, if you're a, a sedentary woman at 38, you are way more unhealthy than that same body fat percentage as an active person. And you go, of course, that makes sense, Paul. Like that's even logical, is it? Because I think too many of you are working out for the result and the result is not necessarily being healthy, right? And so you're looking for aesthetic and I get it. Like you want to see the result that you put in the gym. 
But you have to be smarter about those cycles. That 35 to 40 pounds of lean mass that I talked to you guys about earlier, that did not happen in, in one year. Now, actually, this is funny. 20 pounds of it did, right? Your body adapts that quickly when you bring in just this ape shit beast mode mentality. But you're gonna find, I don't care how much motivation you watch on the internet, you're gonna find that that's difficult, right? And you have to start to change your mindset. The people that I get most concerned about are the people like me that lost a lot of weight, that aren't willing to have their weight go up. You know, my lowest hour is 149. You know, right now I'm at 188.8. You know, if I didn't allow myself to gain that 40 pounds, I wouldn't have 40 pounds more lean mass, right? And so my lean mass is actually more than I weighed at my lowest weight, right? So if you don't think that that's a struggle mentally, you're wrong. I'm a formerly obese person, right? But then I'm also a logical person. And I also am able to look in the mirror. I think way too, too many people, too many of you are avoiding the mirror. You're avoiding photographs. You're avoiding the scale. All of these things are telling you truths that you need to hear. And once you hear those truths and you're able to act upon it, well, that's a game changer, right? And so I think there's two levels. Like one of the people go, you know, there was a lady that was critical of the fact that we're um, talking about Ethan Plum Kitchen so much. And frankly, the one thing that I get concerned about with Eat the Perform is that we're not addressing the problems that affect the majority of people. Like we're really good at getting a 140-pound woman down to one spot, right? We're probably the best areas at that, you know, just because of the way that our people are fed and things of this nature. But we also need to figure out a way for people to be healthy that don't fit that paradigm, that don't understand these bigger ideas that are being preyed upon by keto and intermittent fasting and a lot of these shortcut ideas that aren't actually helping and are hurting people, right? And so um, that's a little bit of, of what we're doing with Eat the Corn Kitchen. And so we'll, we'll you know, do a better job and, and keep trying to kind of, um, you know, merge those two different ideas. Um, but there's just so many new people being introduced to you to perform that honestly, I want to help. And, and, and that's really part of what we're able to do with the Perform Kitchen. Okay, are there any more questions, Becky? No, I okay. addressed the other part of her question, but that was it. Gotcha, all right. Well, I appreciate everybody being here. And like I said, listen in for that lifetime. So for those that don't know, this is our, the, uh, the people that are on this typically aren't clients, right? So we're talking about more basic ideas. The podcasts that we'll be doing on uh, Saturday are our lifers, right? So they're the people that have been around even for much longer. So we jump into more advanced concepts on those podcasts. So if you get a chance, Listen to those. They're all free. And I appreciate everybody being here. And we'll talk to you later. Bye now.